What's up, everybody? Welcome back, Artist to Artist Podcast. This week, we're actually not bringing on an artist. Uh, special guest this week is Jason Euler. He's from Relentless Beats, super connected into talent booking, music festivals, everything. Um, so we're we'll bringing him on today, seeing you know what kind of advice he has for artists on how to infiltrate kind of the higher level of the uh, music industry. There he is. Hey. And there we go. All there right, it goes. All right, I think I got it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. What's up, guys? How you doing? What's up, man? How are you? Oh, doing well. Hanging in there, just trying to make the most of my quarantine Friday. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you, how you guys doing? How's your part of the world? Not too bad. We're starting yeah. to get hit a little bit harder over here, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Florida right now, so it's kind of it's there's not much going on in the part that I'm in. You guys got the beaches opened up again, though. <laughs> yeah, crazy, dude. It's like we're I think we're like two hours away from Jacksonville, and I just I can't even imagine trying to go onto a beach right now. That's just crazy to me. I mean, cool with me. What has surpassed Connecticut in numbers now, so now I don't feel as bad for Connecticut, so. Yeah, <laughs> right, that's wild. Arizona's been chilling. I think we're at, like, 4,000 cases, so it's been uh, um, good. I mean, the, every, like, the parks, like, I live next to a park in Scottsdale, and it's packed, like, Pete, like, everyone and their mothers out riding bikes. Like, there was a soccer game going on there the other day, and I'm like, come on, people. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, no, we're, we're, still, <laughs> yeah. we're still hard. Uh, we're, I think we're up to, like, 21,000 something Jeez, by the time this comes out we'll probably be even higher yeah um, because yeah i mean we're next to new york so we get the overflow from new york yeah of course the western half of our state all works in new york yeah i mean i'm actually in san diego right now um in california they're they've done a real they've done such a good job handling this i feel like as a, as, as a state overall for the most part like yeah. everyone here seems to be playing ball for the most part yeah yeah well you know that's kind of a, a good kind of way to start is with all of this yeah. How do you see the, the future of the show industry looking? Um, I, I think our world in the music world, uh, we, we hit a hard reset button. Um, I, I really expect an entirely different landscape to come out of this. Um, I think you're going to see some people who took this downtime or, you know, maybe weren't dealing well mentally with the climate of the world, unfortunately, take some time off work and they took their foot off the gas. Um, on the flip side of that, I think there's going to be the people that said, wow, you know, unfortunate this is happening in the world, but what a time for me to put my head down, learn some new skills, focus on uh, some tricks of the trade, and, and really come out of this to benefit. So, um, you know, I think there's some people that maybe were doing really well that might have taken their foot off the gas. I think there might be some people who are coming up that said, hey, now's the time for me to go harder, and um, they might come out of this even a little better. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And how would you see, how do you think, attendance is going to be impacted by this because like i know me personally like i was just bumping millennium and i'm like i need an millennium concert back oh, in my God. life right now but like like do you think that's gonna be across the board like do you think people are gonna be after this like diving in and being like i want to go to a live concert or do you think people are gonna be like i don't want to be seven centimeters away from the person next to me <laughs> No, I, I think it's fair on both sides. Um, you know, I, I look at it as a it's a it's a bell curve. You know, you're gonna have the people that right when the economy opens and shows are back, like they don't care. Like I'm gonna go do it. Then you're gonna have the people shortly behind them on the curve that are, well, I'm gonna wait and see what happens to them going to a live event. <laughs> yeah. Give it two weeks, you know, and if they do well, then I'll try it. And then you know, you're gonna have the group of people behind them. So, 
Um, I, I really do see it coming in waves. Uh, I do think our industry, just with the, the festival culture and how passionate people are about it, they're, they're going to want to really get back. So, um, you know, I think once the vaccine hits and like that kind of safety and comfortability is there, like I expect everyone to be out in full force. Um, I do think to that point, it is kind of going to build up slowly but surely, um, you know, in that regard. Okay. Um, going, going off of that is, so now you have all these artists that are just sitting in the rooms right now, trying yeah. to figure out what they're going to do with their career. Um, you know, you worked a bunch with artists, placing them on shows and stuff of that sort. Mm-hmm. You know, what would your recommendation be to, you know, any artist out there that's like, I want to get into the music industry. You know, my dream is to play a festival, like this, that, that, you know, yeah. what is your advice to them on like how to approach that? Um, cause like, you know, I know we've heard on one of the last talks we were ta- discussing shows, you know, the classic, like, don't just hit someone up and be like, yo, bro, put me on your show. Like, you know, handle it professionally, but even farther than that, like, what's your advice? Like, what should they be sending? What should they, you know, how should they approach it? Who should they talk to? Yeah. You know, generally think, stuff like that. Absolutely. No, it's a great question. I, I think the cornerstone of everything, it always goes music. I think for the artists that are getting music and they're figuring out how to promote their music properly, you know? working on Spotify to get on proper playlists, working through SoundCloud to get through repost networks, you know, running really good campaigns in a digital world that we live in to get their music heard, to get their music signed by record labels. You know, I'm a big proponent. Like I follow a a lot of record labels. I love Dim Mac. I love Night Bass. I love Confession. You know, I love everything Insomniac and In Rotation are doing. Um, you know, I'm constantly looking to see who, who's the next artist those guys are putting out. You know, I've personally just discovered some favorites as a fan that like, you know, is putting out on some of their comps and some of these newer artists because, you know, unfortunately, I just, I do follow the labels because they're constantly putting music in front of me as a consumer. So I, I think by doing that and, you know, and, and I happen to be someone who works in the industry now. So, you know, as a fan, I'm consuming it. I hear their music. And now as an industry professional, you know, that's when I go talk to my team and say, have you checked out this dude's track? Like he's putting out some fire right now, you know? And like, yeah. those are the guys I like to see. Cause at the end of the day, it always goes back to just quality, quality music. Yeah. And where would you say like these labels putting out the stuff, like where are they putting out Instagram? Do they have their own Spotify playlists? Like where are you finding it? Where are you consuming it? Definitely. No, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely like, I got a few Spotify playlists. I love to check out like housework. For example, is a huge playlist one of my favorite playlists for house music you know i'm constantly discovering new talent in there um i'm on youtube a lot you know i love going down those youtube rabbit holes you know when i go type in night bass and then you you yeah. know you'll see on the side like songs that might relate to it and um you know i'm, I'm constantly just kind of scouring through that um you know every once in a while I, I don't think i consume soundcloud as much but you know i'll still go on there and go down some rabbit holes on soundcloud and that's the really cool thing about the music world right now is you can go into these just rabbit holes of music discovery because there's there's so much out there yeah i know i find myself in that all the time like finding like remixes of songs for like parties and stuff being yeah, like exactly. oh, this song and that song and then you're like waist deep in this rabbit hole and you're like i have no idea how i got here but i'm not gonna oh, yeah. leave because i know i'm never gonna get back here again yeah so i need to just keep digging so i yeah, need to keep digging see what track i find next for sure yeah and it's um, definitely a component like i loved you know going to a festival hearing an artist drop a track and going oh my god i need to shazam this or get an id for this you know and um that component's now been taken away of music discovery unfortunately but luckily you know I'm, I'm watching a lot of these live streams and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of these guys drop new tracks or IDs on these live streams even. And I'm like, 
I need to figure out what song that is, you know? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm really, I'm really going to get futuristic on you here. <laughs> Live streams, love them. I don't know if you're keeping, I've been keeping, I've been watching this very closely. Um, but have you been keeping up with the actual live concert events on Fortnite at all? Uh, so I'm not as big, in, I'm not as much in the esports world. I, I'm not yeah. a video gamer myself. Um, I, I love crossover and synergy. Like, I, obviously, I see that's where attention's going. And me as a person working behind the scenes, I, I pay attention to where everyone's attention's going. You know, yeah. and I know more kids watch esports now than watch real sports uh, yeah. in today's day and age. Um, and seeing that music kind of tie into it, I'm actually working on a project to Relentless to start doing um, Fortnite tournaments and video gaming at the festivals. Um, so that's, that's a big okay. a big project I'm working, I, w I was working on here in 2020. Yeah. Um, but for 2021, I do have some pieces in place um, once festivals do kind of hit a bigger return. Um, I definitely want to incorporate esports into our festivals as I think there's just so much crossover and synergy there. Yeah, because that was that was something I was like, I'm not I'm not a gamer myself. I really have no time to game. And um, I was I actually turned on when I was in a meeting last night. I turned on Fortnite to watch this concert um, because it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on and kind of like the future of live shows. Um, because like you look at a live stream and you have a live stream where you're watching Dropkick Murphys in their basement. Yeah. And it's like, cool, this concert exists in a physical place and you're watching it. Exactly. Um, the concert last night was interesting. It was, it was Travis Scott did a, did a tour on Fortnite. Yeah. And you would go to a stage on the island. Yeah. And you would see a virtual Travis Scott virtually performing. Um, <laughs> and it was a 15-minute concert. And after the 15 minutes, he dropped a new song. That's awesome. And it was this really interesting thing that I was watching. And it's almost like, you know, now that we all think about it through all this, like where do festivals go? Um, and something I've even watched since last year when Marshmallow did it. Um, yeah. You, know, you have this interesting concept coming out. Yeah, all the Minecraft, the Fortnite concerts yeah. and everything. You yeah. can attend this virtual concert. And also, you can probably down the line, you can monetize it. But it's a new way of music discovery where they can perform a song live, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and it only happens at that one place and one time in this, in this place. In but virtual yeah. World. yeah, it's crazy. That's a, that's a huge thing that we've been watching. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that. Like where I mean, you I, may see. One of my favorite books I've ever read and Steven Spielberg actually turned it into a movie is called Ready Player One. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but they put on the full headsets and they go into yeah. this virtual world called the Oasis that they live in. Um, I, I'm totally on that train. Like one day, like with how technology is yeah. rapidly advancing. Like one day, I do believe you will put on a helmet and you're going to go to a festival virtually and feel everything as if you were actually oh, yeah. there take off your helmet and you're back at home exactly uh, and i see yeah, that that's crazy like, here, but. <laughs> yeah and like you see because like i've watched concert live streams like oh this is cool like i've seen ultra live stream i'm like this is cool yeah but then when i went to the marshmallow thing on Fortnite, i was like this is really cool because it's like you people engaging with you. yeah you got the yeah. crowd that you're still actually engaging with when you're just watching that live stream you're you see the crowd, but you're not yeah. engaging with the crowd. Like when you go into these virtual festivals and things, you're actually there engaging with other people. Yeah. You're doing dance moves with them. You know, you can type and con communicate with them. Yeah. Um, well, so it creates a bigger sense of togetherness than just watching a, a live stream of Ultra or EDC, for example. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> the festivals are about they're about they're about music and togetherness at the mm -hmm. end of the day. So I think that's the cool thing to see what our industry above a lot of other industries is really doing with these live streams, you know, whether it's in the video games or just even like the proximities or everything, they're really coming together during a time and really showing a sense of togetherness for our community. Yeah. 
So pulling back into, you know, festival <laughs> world, um, when you, so besides for just talent too, like when you look at an artist, like what are you looking for besides just like, this guy's dope. Like what yeah. else are you looking for from them? Like what yeah. should an artist be prepared for? Yeah. End of the day, you got to have the sauce musically. Like there's no two ways to split that. Like you either have it or you don't, and you need to just make production focus the number one thing until that craft is honed and always be improving at production. Um, beyond that, for me, it's work ethic. Um, you know, I, I think you can really look at an artist and see when they're actually really grinding um, and working. And like, you know, I, I think I can go through artist social medias even and just see, you know, are you really grinding? How often are you putting out music? You know, like, great, you put out one great track, but, you know, we're in a world where if you're not staying consistent, it's very hard to stay relevant. Because if you're not, you know, you could put out one good song, two good songs a year as an up and coming artist, you know, like if you're Zed or, you know, one of the other guys, you can put out two songs a year and be fine. But early in their career, they weren't able to do that. And with how much more saturated it is now, it, it really is about consistency, you know, and, and I, I really gauge someone's work ethic off their consistency. Yeah. So off of consistency in a world that we live in that is very viral based, mm -hmm. you do see artists coming up um that are making career off of one song but then they're dying mm -hmm. um you know i can probably name five artists off the top of my head that i can probably even think of and you probably can too especially in the hip-hop world where yeah, they make one banger and it is huge yeah. and they go on one huge tour with some other huge artist <laughs> never hear from them again yeah, that's very Which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. They probably made their $100 million and they're cool now. Hey, yeah, God bless them. Yeah, but the question is, is like for the artists out there that may think that's the route, like what is, what is your advice on that? Like should they, like yes, vileness is great, but like should they be focusing on that or should they be focusing on almost like if you were to look at an artist, would you rather have an artist that was viral or would you rather have an artist that's kind of here but is consistent and good? I'd rather have the artist that's here and consistent and good because eventually just playing the numbers, they're going to hit that viral moment. You know, it, it will come, you know, there are like very few times and not, you see someone who gets it and kind of gets to ride it up. Like I, I just don't think those cases are super realistic or that's a model to follow. Yeah. Um, you know, like my artist, I managed Ekinova is a great example of that. You know, he was just grinding, busting his ass. You know, we were really making some great progress and he was staying consistent, putting out music consistently. And then one day we wake up and Porter played one of his remixes at Freaky Deaky in front of 40,000 people, you know? So yeah. it, it happened, but it happened because of that daily grind and that work he got. And then the opportunity came, but had he not put in all that time and effort to get there, that opportunity doesn't. Um, you know, so I, I think it, it's about, you know, I'm a former baseball player. It, it's about giving yourself as many at bats as possible. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's a very saturated market, but it is a numbers game. And the more opportunities you create for yourself for something like that to happen, the more likely it is that it will happen. But I don't think that's the golden goose you need to chase. You need to chase, Hey, how am I going to be better today at my craft and my project than I was yesterday? And if you do that enough times in a row, eventually those opportunities are going to arise okay all right and last kind of last kind of question from me before i can i'll kind of like christian bounce and we'll all bounce between it um debunk something for me how hard right. do you actually think it is for an independent artist to get booked on a music festival it's hard um you know I, it's not far off but you know you look at a lot of lineups um you know with any major festival and you go look through and they're on agency rosters and yeah. um you know, it's 
that way by design in a lot of ways, because as a promoter, you know, if you're going to book and I can go to an agent and I can get five quality acts that are going to sell tickets, they're going to draw fans, they're going to have great performances. Um, it's easier to start building things that way. Um, as an independent artist, you know, those are, I think a lot of those independent artists that are getting on festivals, like those are the people that are close to getting on those agency rosters. But before that, they've had great record releases. They've had well-streamed songs. They've had good engage. They, they engage their following on social media well and have people who care about them as people beyond their music even. Um, you know, when, when you have great music, but you're able to connect with your, the people that are following you and supporting your music beyond that, that's where they really come and they, like, you know, you'll see fan bases just push their artists up because they're good people. They're nice. They, they interact with me. They make me as a fan feel valued. So yeah. I, I think those are kind of the factors that, that get there. Okay. That's All right. it. So <clears throat> this is my turn to jump in now, but, uh, so kind of staying on that same topic of independent or even up and coming artists, you know, what are some of the ways that um, you um, through Relentless Beats or Relentless Beats in general, uh, how, how have they, what are some of the tactics that they've done to kind of get those smaller artists at a festival playing something like, you know, the small art cars or the competitions that I know Relentless Beats has for yeah. some of those up and comers? Like what are some of those things that, you guys do that other artists can try to look for in their markets yeah definitely i mean the dj competitions are great um you know i, I see a lot of people do them My, i've never let Econova ever enter one um just managerial personal thing i i really want to take it a different route again i i like it's a great opportunity but again that's kind of chasing that golden egg if it makes sense i'd rather have him in the studio away just making great music and he and I coming together saying, hey, how, how are we going to get this music out to the world and stream it well? Um, it always goes back to that for me. Because, you know, you can win a competition one time, but now if you don't have a catalog or any music behind it, you know, then then what? Um, you know, but I, I as an experienced creator, I've been doing a lot of silent discos um, at the events. And it's great because you can get three DJs on at once. Um, and the great thing is I can go walk into the silent disco, see what color everyone's headphone is. And then I can look at the art and say, okay, there we go. And I create, a, I look at a lot of opportunities for that. Um, Decadence was a great example. We had Atlas and Clank, um, playing that and Clank, some great releases on night bass, really up and coming artists. I've enjoyed watching everyone's headphones were blue when he was in there and you know it, it's cool to see and now that's an, a guy i'm gonna go sit and say okay well we got a festival coming up hey we got an opening slot on the stage or maybe stage two like that's a guy i'm gonna think of next time you know so created a small opportunity there he got the opportunity because he had great music he'd been doing great releases and he was very consistent on his socials comes and gets the opportunity capitalizes on it people enjoy a set now he just opened up another opportunity for himself right okay so essentially it's it comes down to networking yourself out in a way right everything in the music industry is networked um you know for me i mad decent 2016 was the first time i ever experienced dance music a fan and uh two and a half years later from that i'm working full-time in it and, and a large part of that was because i was able to put myself in positions to provide value to other people in the music world and able to network with them and it was, it all started with how can I give them value and not expect anything in return? Mm -hmm. 
And the more I did that, the more things ended up coming in return to me to help me get where I wanted to go. Um, but that was never, my mindset was always, how can I give value to other people for them to want to work with me? Right. And that seems to be kind of a theme uh, throughout a lot of these podcasts and really everything we're talking about is very themed in these podcasts. You know, it's, you know, make value for yourself, be patient, mm -hmm. network, things like that. And everyone always talks about these same things. So there's got to be something to it. Right. Um, and another question I wanted to ask kind of diverting away from that is where do you sit as a manager um, for the importance of a live show or getting streams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, balance at the end of the day, I, I truly believe that proper streamers and getting the music out, you know, that's, that's people saying this is good. You know, if, if it's getting a lot of streams and a lot of views, people, this, this music's good. And I think that's what opens the door to getting live show bookings truly, because once the music's accepted, you know, okay, I just got to see how they are as a performer. They like their music. So I know at least the people coming to the show are going to like one thing, you know, and then if they happen to be a great performer in those live shows, then, then you're really working with something. And, you know, even with Ekanova, um, he wasn't the best performer when we first got going. He was very, you know, great producer, um, was not the best performer, very shy, very timid, tough to get in front of crowds because that's just who he is as a person. Um, but you know, as it went on, his live show just consistently got better. You know, I mean, it took me a while to even get him on the, on the mic for a while, you know, he, he just not, not his thing and God bless him for it. You know, um, we had him practicing the microphone at home and, you know, we eventually got to the point where now he's, he's a pretty damn good live performer and the music's still pumping out good. So now we're seeing more live bookings. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I, I mean, throwing really really dating myself i when i started in the music industry i was somehow i don't know how i got involved with it um i got involved with a when we were booking shows in a music venue a local venue um they wanted to make their own headliner for the shows so they didn't have to pay someone and so this dj got asked to be on it and he was great but he was super shy and so he came to me and he's like hey nick i want you to be my hype man I was like, he's like, look, we're going to wear masks. We're going to, they give us all this outfit. He's like, you just have to hype people up. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you'll get paid like $200 a night. And I'm like, okay. Um, and yeah, that, that's exactly, that's exactly what it was. But yeah, that, that was the thing. He's like, you need, it's great music, but you need that live performance to get that live performance. Again, um, it's about people and togetherness at these events. And, you know, as a person that's kind of curating the crowd in a sense, you know, you gotta, you gotta create that sense of togetherness and you gotta be involved with them. Um, it goes back to even as an artist engaging with your following on social media, it carries over from the digital world to that performance. It's constantly, how can I engage with these people to make them feel connected to me as a person and feel connected with each other. And the artists that are good at that are the ones that end up doing really well. And I'm guessing that, I mean, you guys definitely look extensively into that too. Of mm -hmm. uh, When you're booking an artist is like, is this person going to create a unique experience that's going to make our audience members like them? And if they're just going to create just another experience, well, then that's not as attractive as someone that's coming in with a unique set, a unique, you know, attribute that's going to make their live show better than anything else. hundred percent. You know, you look at like you get up to the, you know, Porter and Maddie on doing their live sets, you know, all the way through like Elenium and his live set uh, coming through and just adding that extra element of something completely different than, he did on his come up because yeah. I saw Millennium at Matt Deason as a uh, do a DJ set, you know, in 2016, and then Gold Rush 2018. I see the live performance for the first time, and it just was a 
it was, it was something fresh. It was invigorating. It was new and it was still exciting. And, you know, you watch that build up through an artist's career kind of from that level. It's really cool to yeah. see. I mean, the thing that even sticks out in my head is like the one, the one concert that's unique that I haven't gone to yet um, is Excision. And I always show people, people are always like, oh, like, I'll admit it. I'll be like, this is the sweetest concert I want to go to because of the live experience. Like, I'll never forget when he came to Connecticut, my friend sent me a video of a dinosaur walking on stage. I was like, dude, if you push your live shows to a level where you have a robotic dinosaur yeah. walking around on stage shooting cryo cannons, <laughs> you're going to get booked. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of the reality. But for an independent artist, there's something they can take away from that. Like, what little aspects are you going to put into your shows that can be used as demos to get yourself on a festival spot? Like, should you invest $300 in a handheld cryo cannon? You know? Paz, throw, Paz throws out tacos. He gets a taco yeah. 12 pack from Taco Bell and he throws out tacos. No one else does that. Yeah, exactly. Like, something simple like that. Like, I'll remember, what was it? Uh, Crisley throws pizzas. I know that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it, you know, and, yeah. and for some artists that works and some artists it doesn't, but you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, some, for some fans that works and for some fans, it doesn't, some fans are like, yeah, Paz threw me a taco and other fans are like, Paz is gimmicky and throws tacos. You know, it really just kind of yeah. depends the perception uh, and for the artists and you know, you're going to find that like what you're doing and you're going to maybe find some people that don't, but double down on what's working yeah. instead of focusing on what doesn't. Or even, I mean, even if you really go for it, I mean, a really out of the ball line you think of, think about Dylan Francis for bringing jailed everywhere. <laughs> you know, here's a guy who just bought a pinata for pinata. probably a dollar, literally yeah. a dollar. And he made it into a whole brand that attracted people to want to go see him. Yeah. And venues would literally buy Gerald's. Yeah. to put there because they knew it would sell a ticket. When you're going to talk about him branding, even just creating the alias of DJ Hansel, you know, like you want yeah. to talk about branding and a guy that's a wizard at it is a great example. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I truly believe there are some artists that can brand themselves well enough to go. Like um, my joke of a DJ alias, you know, I don't take it seriously at all. I, I went viral and got, a, I got interviewed by Insider for posting a funny tweet, you know, like, um, you know, and because I was able to brand, you know, I don't, I don't have anything yeah. significant about myself as a DJ. I'm, I'm a horrible DJ, actually. Um, but I can brand myself to get, you know, three, four local bookings in my state. And I play, That's I got to play so on Hollywood somehow. So it's, it's, I laugh at it. You know, I, I don't <laughs> take myself seriously as a DJ at all. But, um, you know, I made my alias just kind of a point like you can brand yourself into getting bookings yeah. too. If you have a good brand though, and you actually make quality music, then you're Econova and you're a good rising artist, <laughs> you know? If you don't, if you just do a brand and you don't have any good music, then you're Yules and yeah. you're really not that, not that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of throw, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you can see that. I mean, I think the biggest uh, thing about branding, I mean, really going back to uh, Fortnite is uh, Marshmallow. Yeah. Um, Marshmallow's the king ending in anything like him and Mochalizi have they have done it to a T they have yeah. created arguably one of the best brands in music I've ever yeah. seen because at the end of the day Marshmallow is not really a person he's an idea and it's a brand yeah and, exactly that, uh, that... no go ahead you're good oh yeah I just, I just know I watched like the creating a Marshmallow where Mochalizi got interviewed and watching that whole story and how he really created a character out of it 
Um, you know, they talked about Marshmallow going, he did a, you know, he collabed with one of the biggest singers in the Middle East. Um, yeah. He went on a cooking show and was cook cooking dishes native to that culture. You know, so if I'm a young fan and I'm watching that, like, wow, this, this artist is creating something that's important to my culture. I can, con I can connect with that, and that's not even music. Yeah. You know? Well, even if you look at the first remix that, they, that Marshmallow ever released, was the, it was that Hello remix from Adele. Yep, that's and right. the marketing behind it was so good. They put it on Hive only. They said you have to like them on Instagram, you have to follow them on Instagram, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Spotify, then you get the free song. Yep. And everyone did that. I don't, I don't, I'm still probably have it downloaded on my computer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they created a, they created a thing. And it's, it's interesting though, because the music before was good. Yeah. But it never blew up. Yeah. And then you create this marshmallow brand. Skyrock. Exactly. Technically, you know, it's the same guy. It's the same talent. Same guy. It, it is. It's, uh, it is. And branding is creating perception at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, so the better you can create perception, you know, the more likely, um, you know, you're going to have, have that chance of success to take you off a little further. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, well, I think, I think that's a great spot for me to kind of wrap up. Christian, do you have any other kind of things that you want to hit on? Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else. I think we really covered everything that Nick and I both wanted to cover with you, Jason. And we are starting to run out of time. I see we've got about 10 minutes left here. But the one thing that I wanted to get out of you was one piece of advice that we haven't talked about yet that you would give to any budding artist. Keep your head down. And it, it, it comes down to the daily decisions we make. Um, you know, and the biggest thing I can give to any artist is find ways to constantly educate yourself in networking, in branding. Um, the people that invest to educate themselves and sharpen themselves are the ones who are going to do well. Um, you know, I, there's artists who do really great and they spend a lot of time sharpening their production skills. But, you know, go read Hands and Influence People and learn how to network. Go read The Compound Effect and understand how important your little daily choices are in getting you to your ultimate goal. You know, go read The Alchemist and have a personal self-discovery journey of the path you're on and what you're truly chasing. Um, education and the sharpening of various skills is what separates you from anyone else. Oh, love that. Love that yeah, a lot. I, I agree with that. Because when you're, you're saying, artist, representing yourself. And exactly. You yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You got, you got to sharpen yourself. And when you work on things like networking, personal development, you know, even things like journaling and meditating and keeping your mental health together, because, you know, a lot of artists do struggle with that. I mean, a lot of people in general do. So, you know, when we can keep our mind, body, spirit all together in one, music just with us as people everything else we put our hands on is going to do well because we're whole from here yeah i really hate Absolutely. love that <laughs> truth <laughs> they, that, that was my daily inspiration i didn't even have to watch that last 30 seconds every <laughs> single morning i'm gonna set that as my uh, alarm clock on my alexa that might be the, that might be the marketing video that we yeah. do for this podcast uh, that, one, that one really hit the soul but yeah it's it's true it's really true I mean, you can, I can think of so many artists and even too, like if your style is rough edges, then know what your rough edges are that you want to bring out. Yeah, exactly. Um, know what you're good at and double down on it. You know, yeah. um, there's no point sitting here focusing on what I'm not good at or dwelling on that. Um, okay. What am I good at? What areas can I improve on and double down on what you're good at and just 
constantly try to improve on the areas that you can. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's about not being your own biggest critic. You got to be your own number one fan. There's enough critics out in the world. Well, that's like I can think of, and, and probably on that last point, kind of close it out. Like in the hip hop world, you know, I'm a big guy that likes lyricists. Like I look at how, like, I like guys that are lyrically dense and like, you have to listen to a song six times and you're like, whoa, I just understood that. Yeah. Uh, and there's two guys that I can think of. So obviously there's a local guy in Connecticut, Chris Webby, um, who has been around forever. Yeah. One, one of them by far, probably one of the best lyricists I know, but he's always stayed regional, but he is very lyrically in a happy, fun, funny way. But then you look at another amazing lyricist, which is NF. Yeah. And he's a very rough edges, but they both know themselves. And they know what their brand is. They know what their Chris Webby knows he's got the good edges, the chill, smoke weed, be funny, kind of throw some jars at, you know, politics. NF's like, I know that my life's been a hellstorm and I'm going to showcase that through my music and I'm going to do it in an insane way. And if you're an artist, you need to know what is my inner self? How am I going to do it? And how am I going to use that to my advantage? And then bring that into your networking. So when they are going out, like, you're booking an artist and you know, like, this is what I'm getting. Like, if I'm booking NF, I know I'm getting NF. I'm not getting B.O.B. Like, yeah. you know what you're getting. And you know that that's going to fit the vibe of the show and fit the whole, you know, what the audience is looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's super important. Like, that's a really, you know, the promoters know what they want their show to be like. They know the flow they want the sets to go to. Um, you know, when they're putting an art piece they're putting together themselves and you know every time you put a different artist to fit that flow and that vibe of the show that's the stroke of the paintbrush right there on the promoter side so we want to make sure we're using the right color for that stroke of that paintbrush for uh, a metaphorical example yeah completely love that um sorry christian i'll let you do your closing statements i know you always like to close it up no that's that is uh that's about it jason thank you so much for uh coming on we really appreciate you yeah. being a part of it thank you um, I think, for having me absolutely yeah, man glad to glad to connect with you again it's been a little while so yeah uh, no please both of you guys stay in touch yeah. and you know stay safe during all this and uh you know I, I love to see you guys are doing what i'm doing we're, we're all grinding through it yeah. and uh you know still, still able to come together virtually luckily thank god for technology exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do think our industry is going to come out bigger and better after this. Um, you know, we just got to stay together during this time and continue to support each other. Yeah. Everyone will come back from Corona and they'll be like, "Whoa, what's artist called? Like, where'd this one come from? <laughs> there's uh, there's, there's some big parties to come after this. And I know that much. And, uh, I just, I can't wait till we're all out in the crowd dancing again, honestly. Oh yeah. Same. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to start hosting them again. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, all right, man, thank you so much. We will, we will turn off the recording now and we'll wrap this thing up. Like this.